The Voice of Leadership is a gathering place for leaders, seekers, and all those with a passion to affect positive change in the world. There's a leader's voice in each and every one of us, and it's time to turn up the volume. Welcome to The Voice of Leadership on Blog Talk Radio. Do you feel lost without a sound? Are you waiting? To be found Have you lost sight In all the darkness Open your eyes See the light Don't give in to all that's around you This is the time to listen inside you the voice that whispers deep in your soul It'll tell you the truth, what you already know Turn up the volume, lock out the of Leadership. This is Linda Lombardo. Tammy Hibbler is off this evening. We hope she's having a beautiful evening, and she'll be back next week. I'm here with our co-producer, Tom Golia, so I want to thank Tom for being with us tonight. And you just heard our opening song, written and sung by singer-songwriter Cindy Campo. If there's time, we're going to play the entire song at the end of the program, and, and if not, it's it's available on our website, so you know that. Thanks for joining us this evening. The Voice of Leadership features leaders who are on their quests to make the world a better place for all living things and to raise awareness about what the world needs more of, needs less of, or needs to know. And it exists to send that clear message that we all have a part in co-creating a better world. I just want to send healing intentions to all those who were impacted by Hurricane Sandy this week and hope that everyone's power is restored soon, homes are safe. Please check in on your neighbors. The isolation can be terrible, and nobody should have to go through this alone. Our guest tonight is Jen Aramith of Akashic Transformations. Jen's profound work in the world with the Akashic Records revealed itself in an unexpected way, and she'll tell us all about herself, the Akashic Records, and her work with the records shortly. Our focus tonight is leadership in our changing world, and Jen will be talking about what she's learned about personal and global leadership from her past channeling of the records. Before Jen joins us, I'd like to remind our listeners that you can connect with us through our website, thevoiceofleadership.com, through Facebook as the VOL Connection, and on Twitter as the VO Leadership. I'm also going to invite you to chat with us tonight. As long as you're listening through your PC or your Mac, just scroll down to the chat box. We've got the chat window already open for you. And if you're listening through a phone line, our call-in number is 310-982-4166. If you have a question or a comment for us, 
press 1 at the prompt, and then we'll know that you want to talk with one of us. And, and Todd will spend a moment and screen you and find out what your question is, and then he'll be able to bring you on the air with us. So for more than 10 years, Jen has been providing an exciting spiritual perspective on world events through insights from the Akashic Records. Through this work, she aims to help uh, us discover deeper meaning, expand our understanding of the world we share, and inspire hope, empowerment, and love. Through personal consultations, Jen works with people around the world. As a mentor and a teacher, she trains people to access the Akashic Records in their daily and professional lives. Jen's website, AkashicTransformations.com, offers the most extensive library of channeling from the Akashic Records found anywhere online. My own personal experience with Jen began in February 2011 when Jen read the the Akashic Records for the Coaches Training Institute at their summit in Florida. I've never heard of the Akashic Records, and in hearing Jen, I knew that she possessed an amazing gift. Since then, Jen's done several channeling of my records for me, and it's really hard to explain. I'm always left with a sense of peace about who I am and my purpose in the world, and there's just this overwhelming feeling of love and connection that I'm sure Jen will speak about tonight. So I want to welcome to the voice of leadership, Jen Aramith. Hi, Jen. Hi there, Linda. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm so delighted and honored to have you here with us. Wonderful. You know, I know a great place for us to start would be with an under, understanding of what the Akashic Records are. I, it's, it's hard for me to believe, even now, that I didn't know what they were uh, only a year ago. And so I'm sure some of our listeners might not be as familiar. Would you be able to describe a little bit about what the Akashic Records is? Yeah, I would be happy to. And I really love talking about this because I think the term Akashic Records might be new to to most of us. It was new to me at some point. But the concept of it is familiar to most of us in one way or another. The Akashic Records are just a term to describe the idea that all of the information that our souls know is imprinted somewhere. Somehow it exists, and that's that's where we get our intuition. That's how we um, have a sense of, of having existed before this life and possibly existing after this life. The idea that everything that our soul has ever experienced has meaning and is therefore held energetically. Somehow that information is recorded. Um, That's really what is described by the term Akashic Records. I like to use this term um, for several reasons, but there are a lot of other terms to describe this idea, and they're all the same thing. Um, In the Bible and in the Quran and in some other holy texts, It's called the Book of Life, and other people refer to it as the cosmic mind or the universal mind. But, you know, in my opinion, it's all the same thing, this idea that there's more to us and there's more to our souls than we remember from our human conscious minds. And that's where we sometimes have interesting dreams or prophetic dreams. Um, That's where we have intuition come or hunches. It's like we get little glimpses of that library and officially the Akashic Records are referred to as an ethereal library, a a non-touchable library of all of our soul's information. And so that's what the Akashic Records are. And the thing that I think is most important about this whole concept and what has been my experience with the records is that that energetic imprint 
all that information that our souls contain is completely held in the energy of love. And my experience of the records, looking at really vast pictures of individuals and topics through the records, I always experience the information as love. It's the first thing I feel when I access the records, and it's the way I know that the information coming through is accurate, as it feels like love. <laughs> and so I always like to make sure that people understand that that's, that's inherent to the way that our souls hold that information. And what I, you know, and what I love about that is uh, it, it's a feeling that I come away with too, after having my records read by you, and and there's something wonderfully uh, peaceful. There's something comforting about knowing that there are there are a lot of people who have readings done, and 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 perhaps not akashic records, other types of readings, and there's always this fear. That that seems to come with that. People say, "Oh, you know, I don't want to know. I don't want. I don't. You know, I, I'm afraid of what they're going to tell me." And and the akashic records are not like that, are they? Well, they have not been that way in my experience. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that you know there are certainly channelers or um, psychic readers out there who tap into more fear or more love, depending on who they are or what they're dealing with. But it, you know, in my experience, when I connect with the Akashic records, either to channel information or just to connect for my own spiritual practice, it is always with love. And even when I'm answering a question that's very difficult and brings up fear or sadness for someone I still see it as love and and they're able to sense it as love even though sometimes you know life can be hard and we all have to encounter scary things sure and so yes that's definitely been true for me when I look at the records mm. and how did you get started reading the records that was um, I know it's a really it's very interesting to me because it wasn't really what you planned for yourself was it no, not at all. <laughs> I, I like to think back on my childhood and imagine what it would have been like if I had looked ahead and thought, I'm going to be an Akashic channeler when I grow up. <laughs> it definitely wasn't part of uh, part of the paradigm I grew up in. Um, so, you know, it was, it was an accidental path that ends up making sense once I was on it, and I think many of us, many leaders, end up in that kind of position. So um, let's see, where do I start with that story? I guess... You know, I, I, I was on a professional path to become a college professor. I always loved teaching. And in order to follow that path, I ended up having a couple of kind of accidental miracles come along that set me on this new path. And one of those is that when I was in college, I worked for someone who was a devout Buddhist and through working every day, I, I learned a lot about meditation, and I started doing meditation, and I really started to make a connection not only with a spiritual practice, but but more than anything with the quiet voice inside myself. And I think there's nothing more important um, for anyone, and especially for leaders, than to be willing and able to listen to that quiet voice and trust it, despite the chatter of our minds or the chatter of other people's opinions. And so that really initiated for me um, when I was a young adult. 
And um, it continued when I trained to be a massage therapist. And the reason I did that was just to put myself through graduate school. I really didn't think that healing work was, was going to lead me anywhere other than to to a steady income <laughs> through graduate school. But, of course, I connected with my intuition through that. And I found myself um, with, a, with a knack for gathering information about people, you know, with kind of a stronger intu- intuition. Um, as I worked on people, I would have realizations about them. So I, I think some people are born with a bit of a gift for these things, but I also think that everyone, to some degree or another, is capable of connecting with and channeling information from their Akashic records. We do it accidentally all the time. So I started to really think about that and feel it a bit more through my healing work. But the real shift came when... Um, a friend of mine introduced me to the concept of the Akashic Records, and it just made so much sense to me. It felt like a little light bulb going off. And so I took a class. I took a class, you know, a visiting teacher in my town taught a week- weekend workshop about the Akashic Records and how to access them. And so I took a class in order to learn how to use this as a tool for my just my spiritual journey. And through taking that class, I learned to you know, connect with the records. I use a process that includes a prayer and some meditative work. I learned to connect. I learned to feel the energy of the records, and I learned to get my own thoughts out of the way. And I just used that as a process for myself to check in on my intuition. Eventually, friends had asked me to do readings for them, and I really shied away from it for a long time. Um, and because I was in graduate school, I was very, um, I was very. Um, Logical, I guess you could say. I was being very logical and rational at the time, which I think is very much to my benefit as a channeler. And so I decided to create a test for myself. I created an internship, and I and I lined up 30 days during which on each day I did a reading for a different person, preferably someone I didn't know. So I asked my friends to refer their friends. I lined up practice sessions for 30 days. And what happened is as soon as I accessed the records of another person, it felt just the same as it did when I opened my records, and it came through as clearly. It just worked easily. And after doing those test readings and finding that they were accurate and they felt right, those people just came back for more, and uh, my business began to grow from there. And so I never got the Ph.D. that I was headed for, <laughs> but I'm very happy doing the work that I do now. What, what I think is so amazing about that is that, that you took this scientific approach because, that, I mean, that you were going for your Ph.D., as you said, right? And, and so you, you approached it. As, you know, as as if it were um, a research project, and and I what I I am also struck by is that you said um, when you were talking about strong intuition and you were talking about the quiet that that you found in meditation, I think it's true that some people hear, they hear themselves and others much more clearly because they have the ability to be quiet, they have the ability to be still. So I'm thinking that those, that that we, we always we all have the ability to hear. Some of us really might need to practice that the ability of of stillness and silence a little bit more. Does that make sense? I think that's it does, and I think it's absolutely true. And um, you know, I think it's I I in my experience, just personally, whether it's through channeling or just through everyday life stuff. Um, 
it's not really possible for me to trust myself unless I quiet down and listen. Um, it's, you know, I, I can send myself in spinning into circles <laughs> if I'm not careful. Um, and and it, it is only when I slow down and listen in one way or another that I can eventually establish a sense of trust and knowing that can lead me to to do what needs to be done and to step into leadership. And that's true, you know, in the role I play in my family just as much as it's true in my profession. And I think it's it's probably true in one way or another for everyone. It really feels like a universal truth that you can really trust when there's quiet without mm-hmm. the distractions. Mhm. You know, so I think I, something I, interesting. Oh, sorry. Something oh no, interesting that happens and that gets in the way for so many of us is often the first thing that happens when we get quiet is all the garbage we've held back inside comes to the surface and it feels terrible. You know, old emotions, <laughs> fears, you know, concerns, yes. all those things come up. And so often, even if we set an intention to, to be quiet and to meditate, the first thing that comes up is that ugly stuff. So we 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 get up and walk around and walk away from it. You know, of course we do. It's uncomfortable. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, that that's the stuff that comes up first. So if you don't go back to it, (laughs) you kind of of have this aversion to it because it just wasn't fun. It wasn't pleasant. Right. So I think eventually developing that sense of quiet and trust in oneself, it has to involve becoming friends with the shadow side. Mm. Oh, there's a lot to be said in that, isn't there? (laughs) Wow. Well, I asked you to join us here tonight because you know the voice of leadership is about emerging leaders as well as established leaders. We we love to have people on who are just beginning their quests and their life purpose as well as deepening the learning for um for for all of our listeners with established leaders. Um, but our emerging leaders especially are acting for the sake of positive change and sustainability in this world and and in these times that we're that we're living in. And, and you know, when we, you graciously agreed to be here tonight, we talked about focusing on leadership, both personal and global. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's more and more people showing up in leadership around the world. And it seems to all be happening at the same time. It could all be my perspective. But it seems as if there, there, there's just more and more people stepping into their personal leadership. And then the world also appears to be in more turmoil and challenge than it's ever been before. And it, almost anywhere you look, in, you know, in education, in the economy, politics, the environment, I mean, natural and unnatural disasters, I mean, any of these would probably, you probably have so many resources on all of these from all the channelings that you've done. And, and maybe some other time we can talk about those. But from what you've learned from, um, from the records, this this people showing up in leadership and more turmoil and challenge how coincidental or how planful is this is it i guess is the first question sure that's a great question um you know my perspective on this has certainly been shaped by doing channelings often and taking a look at what's happening in the wider world and you know when i open the records about any topic i've done a channeling i've done a few channelings on the global economy i've done channelings on different political issues um uh natural disasters all sorts of different topics 
um, at this point, when I look at these things, it's just taken for granted in the records from that from the perspective of spirit. It's taken for granted that there is a massive shift happening on planet Earth. That humanity really is at a turning point. You know, the question of whether humanity will evolve into a new age or just kill ourselves out is still a bit on the table, and it's just taken for granted. That's like an obvious background fact, and then they go ahead and talk about the issue <laughs> on top of that. So. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be um, meaningless, a meaningless coincidence at all. The coincidence of, you know, environmental changes, the global economy, the Internet, all of these vastly kind of paradigm-shifting changes are occurring at once, and the coincidence of those things is meaningful. It all coincides with the fact that humanity is at a, at a turning point, and so, of course, it involves absolutely everything. And, and I heard you... Um you know, I heard you say that the question is still on the table. And and I think that's something about the records too, that there is um there is no predestiny, there's no predetermined future. Um but the by the very nature of what the records are, it you know, our future is yet to be written. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And that doesn't mean that we're in a free fall, you know, where anything could occur. There is a blueprint. You know, it, each of our souls, when we agree to be born into a human life, we, of course we write a plan for ourselves, right? And we make some agreements with others to have certain things happen. So, you know, we all have a blueprint as individuals. And as a human race, we have a blueprint for kind of what the plan is and what we want to do. And yet, just like an architectural blueprint, it gets changed along the way. Way. You know, um, or if a mistake gets made or we take a detour, we have to rewrite the plan to get back on track. And so the future really cannot be predicted, um, not by me or really anyone. Um, occasionally something about the future is predict predictable only when every soul involved has really committed to it completely. And often that doesn't happen until just a few minutes before the event occurs because free will is so important. It's so important that human beings have the opportunity to choose. And so we change our contracts all the time. Um, but we're not just flying blind. We're, we're working off a blueprint. So when I look in the Akashic Records at the future for an individual or for the collective, I can see what the possibilities are and I can see what the plan entails. And um, I can often see how probable that plan is. You know, some plans are kind of loose <laughs> and some of them are written in stone and it would take a lot to break them. Um, so the future is written. It's just not guaranteed. Mm. I'm really intrigued by the fact that our souls are are planning, or, or that they, you know, that that we we come we come here as spiritual beings in in a human body. We come here with a blueprint or a plan that we've created, um, and that we've created contracts with others to help us to help us what to further our learning or to help us remember something what what it what is it that um can you say more about the blueprints or the plans Sure, absolutely. And I really love to talk about this because I've, uh, luckily, I've at this point done re, um, individual readings for uh, over a thousand people, maybe about fifteen hundred. So I've had the chance to see how variable this answer is. <laughs> Some people do make contracts 
to learn lessons, and some people make contracts to clear karma, you know, to finish up things that they left behind in previous lives. And sure. some people make contracts in order to serve humanity together, you know, to join up with a team. And, you know, there just as there are so many different reasons that people get into relationships here, you know, on the ground, there are just as many different reasons that people sign soul contracts with each other. So it can accomplish all sorts of different things. And, and what any given relationship or contract means is up to the person. Uh, but an image that I see often um, is an image when I'm looking at, at someone's soul contract with either another person or with an organization. I often see this image, which is just a metaphor, but it's so fun. I often see the way that people, you know, we, we have a soul that kind of sits up on a cloud, you could metaphorically say, and it, you, just, you just sidle up to other souls and say, hey, you want to get together? Like, hey, we were going to do this, but let's change it. We're constantly having those conversations. It, our soul are having those kinds of conversations with other souls, coming up with new ideas and ways to work together or breaking up and deciding not to do what the original plan was because you've both changed. Maybe you've grown faster than you thought you would. Maybe you're moving slower than you thought you would. But um, I love this image and I just see it all the time of this kind of friendly conversation going on between all of us. And I like I picture it of a soul sitting up on a cloud just as a way to kind of conceptualize it. But uh, But it's wonderful to think that each of us has an incredibly intelligent and benevolent soul who knows where we've been and knows where we want to go better than than we do sometimes and is in contact with anyone we would need to work with and negotiating those things on our behalf. Mm, I love that. I love that. And and you know, I'm I've heard you I've heard you say in a in in a past channeling that as humans in some ways, because we're focusing so much energy right now on the end of 2012 and the beginning of 2013, that we, we as humans may have changed the soul's contract a bit by focusing so much energy here. Is there, is there anything that you, can, um, that you can share about that? Sure. Do you mean as far as what the collective contract will be for the evolution of humanity? Um, yes, I'm, I'm thinking more about the collective contract, remembering mm-hmm. more of who we are, um, remembering our connection, our divinity. There's there's something that we're almost creating a we're creating a new way of being. I think I remember you saying. I'm trying to get the words right, but there is. You know, there, there's either there's this difference. Now, you, this is a test because I'm saying this to you, and you, you're you're so brilliant at saying it that you know there's there's the human who like, really doesn't remember uh, who, that they're spirit, and then and then if we there's this concept that if we do remember that we're spirit, we just could just twinkle away somewhere, right? <laughs> because it because we are we are all light, and 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 there's something that there's this in between place now where humans are, are are remembering who they are not so much that they can't be here in in human form i'm going to stop i'm just going to let you talk mm-hmm. about it it's <laughs> Sure, that's right. But yeah, you're recounting certainly some some things that have come through in channelings, and that's absolutely right. Um, you know, there are so many different channelings I could draw on here to describe some some aspects of this. Um, and the first one that comes to mind is, you know, I've done a couple of channelings on the internet, just as a topic in general, and you know why it's here and how it works and what the effects are and all of that, and. 
um, something that I've seen in the records, something that, you know, from the perspective of the spirits who look down upon us and guide us and watch out for us, um, there's kind of a sense of shock in the higher realms for what the Internet has become and what it has made us capable of. And so you could say that that's one thing, that, that we're writing as we go, you know, that it, you know, in some ways it was predestined that we would create a global communication network, but what it would look like and what we would do with it and how individual potential could could blossom through it was absolutely unforeseeable. And um, this is an image I've seen a few times looking at human evolution in, through various topics. It's just this sense that all of us, you know, all of the souls who are here on planet Earth and all of the souls who are invested in planet Earth and watching and, and working with us, everyone is surprised by the way that this evolution is going. It was never quite... Um, you know, it was. It seems that it was predestined that we would hit a breaking point and need to make a choice. But how far we've been able to take some of our problems without killing ourselves off yet has been a surprise to everyone. You know, that the environment could be as degraded or thrown out of balance as it has been, and yet we are still functioning, and in some ways we're still in denial of it, is surprising to everyone, and it's making for a great show. You know, there's so many souls and spirits just watching with bated breath to see what we'll do next. And in some ways... There's a sense of awe for how how well the human conscious mind can cling to denial, and that is <laughs> awe-inspiring in a sense. <laughs> and there's also awe for the human spirit and the way that in the darkest corners we still figure out a way to find love. And that really is the purpose for the entire human experiment. You know, it was that, that all of these souls who are made of love um, could forget themselves for a while, could become human and see themselves as separate, and yet find love anyway. You know, creating as much darkness and, and be, becoming as lost as possible and yet finding love anyway. That was that was sort of the point of, of human evolution in the first place. And so um, it's a very interesting time because um, the way that these prophecies are unfolding is more complex and more far-reaching and more chaotic than anyone could have foreseen. And um, probably the most important dynamic at play is the fact, you know, um, that so many of these issues like the Internet or environmental degre degradation or the global economy, you know, these, these, these systems that are falling apart, um, all of them will be resolved through individual empowerment as more individuals listen to their voice, stand up for themselves, say what's true for them. As more individuals um, find their personal empowerment, the systems will rewrite themselves. And that's the biggest shift. You know, the, the two like, strongest shifts occurring in this, this current evolution or turning point are one, that individuals must become empowered as if the human race is to continue. And two, that you have to recognize that you're completely interconnected, that you cannot work in isolation, that you can't work with systems that give something to one by taking it away from another. And so those, you know, those are the two paradigm shifts that are most key to having humanity get through all this and continue to thrive. You know, I'm I'm just I get I just get chills when you talk about individual empowerment. It is, um, first of all, it's what we're all about at the Voice of Leadership, and 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 I, you know, 
I I have to ask this question. I know we had talked, we had a conversation before the program, and I said that there's been this insurgence of uprisings and movements by ordinary people in the world, you know, people just saying, no, not that, or this is not acceptable, It, you know, and, and doing something about it. And these actions activate something in all of us when when we see that happen or when we hear the stories. And, and, and I, I'm wondering... My question was going to be, how is that impacting our enlightenment process and, and leadership on a personal level? And I, I think you just touched on that in terms of the individual empowerment and how important that is as, as, as our biggest shift in humanity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a great example from a particular channeling, and it was a channeling on President Obama, which is really relevant right now as we're about a week ahead of the next election. Um, when President Obama was first elected, I did a channeling on his role in the U.S. and in the world. And that channeling is on my website if, if um, people want to go ahead and go take a look at it. That channeling on President Obama said that he was destined to serve two terms because – and but. That, that may not be true now. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But he was originally destined to serve two terms because it would take us eight years to figure out how to lead ourselves. And his role and his particular style of leadership and the timing of his um, first term of presidency was at a time when it was, you know, the economy had crashed in a way that caused almost everyone to really question some things at a deeper level. And the answers people were meant to come to is that we have to do this ourselves, that we can't wait for our leaders, that we can't wait for a father figure to come fix it for us, that no matter who our leaders are and no matter how wonderful or not wonderful they may be, nothing will really become resolved until enough individuals pick up their piece and really work it. And for some people that means starting a business and for other people it means parenting better than ever and other people it means starting a community group it's not that that one person has to figure it all out in fact it's the opposite we all have to figure out our part we all need to trust ourselves we all need to become willing to speak up and um and his presidency was um kind of predestined and his leadership style was set up to inspire that in in us and to make space for us to do it. And the reason that his second term is in question, and it is, we we did a reading on this a couple of weeks ago, um, it's no longer written so clearly that he will have a second term. And, and um, you know, that really is a question up in the air, even at the higher realms at this point. Um, but the reason it's in question is because too many people slipped back into this old way of waiting for a leader to fix it or resenting a leader for not fixing it. And it's up to us. And, of course, not everyone is going to wake up and not everyone is going to decide to grab the steering wheel and take power in their own lives. But if enough people do, then we will all evolve. And so that was a really interesting channeling that really, for me, drove home the sense that the only answer to our global problems is in our individual lives. It's really, really true. And and I think I do remember that channeling. Because I was, I remember being fascinated with the fact that President Obama was here to inspire our our individual empowerment in us, and he was he was the only person who could do that. And and in fact, he is he is on my top three list of people I I would choose to interview, and and that is one of the things I would love to interview him about. 
Um, I'm just putting it out there, by the way. <laughs> I think that's a great thing to put Into out. the airwaves right now. I'm manifesting that. <laughs> that Although I'm hoping he's going to be way too busy to speak to me for quite some time. Um, it is... Um, and it's interesting because I, you know, we're, we're venturing into this territory here with this. There is, I'm, I've been feeling an awful lot lately, and I don't know how to describe it, that there is, that change will happen, and there's two ways that it can happen depending on, on who is elected next week. It will happen. Uh, and, and in some ways it will happen more slowly. In some ways it might happen quicker. It may happen more peacefully or it may happen more violently. And, and I don't know where I'm getting that from, but I have I feel it so strongly. Um, my my intuition or my inter, inner knowing is telling me about that, and so I have a great deal of um, uh, focus and and positive intentioning on next week for whatever is whatever is going to happen with that. Um, but that I think that's a channeling that anybody who's listening to this wants to go. Uh, and, and I'll and I'll just share again. It is akashictransformations.net. I think earlier I said .com. I think it still goes to the .net though. Uh, but it is akashictransformations.net, and um, they should listen to that um, that channeling about President Obama. I think it's really very powerful. Uh, before we continue, I, I just want to do a quick um, station identification here that we're talking about leadership and the Akashic Records with Jen Aramith. And I want to give another welcome to our listeners if you've just joined us. Our call-in number is 310-982-4166 if you have a question for Jen about leadership in our world right now. And we're also chatting online so you can join in the um, in the chat discussion as well. And that's my that's my station identification for tonight. Uh, I wanted to ask. Uh, I, I wanted to. T- you've talked about um, soulmates and and sh- and soulmates showing up in a different way than we've we've already always identified them in the past. And I felt that in um, in my work with leadership, that I have a leadership family. And it was interesting because when I heard you say people coming together and making contracts to serve humanity, all I could think of was my leadership family and and the people with whom I'm I'm working, whether it's with the voice of leadership or, or outside the voice of leadership, that that there seem to be so many leaders binding together to serve humanity and finding new ways to work together. And so I'm I'm curious, um, I'm absolutely in love with all of them. There's there's just this feeling of of love and connection that that I can't explain. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about your insight into soulmates and love and and maybe where we're headed as humanity. Absolutely. Sure. Um, you know, I've done quite a few channelings over the last 10 years on romance or soulmates or different kind of variations on how we form loving connections. And one of the most interesting and exciting things I've ever seen about soulmates just came through this year. I did a channeling on soulmates earlier this summer, and that is also on my website if you want to listen. But in that channeling, um, I saw something that I, I think I'd seen before but didn't really quite understand, and I finally 
understood it this time. Um, and it's this. You know, the, the concept of soulmates is a, it's somewhat universal, and but though people think of them differently, um, what, I, what I learned and what we all learned as I channeled this was that you know, soulmates are people with whom we have um, relationships um, at a soul level with, um, and a soulmate is like um, like a cosmic best friend. You know, someone that you've known before, someone that you've been through hard times with before, someone with whom you've shared the kinds of experiences that bind you forever. You know, just like in life now, when you have a best friend, it's because you've gone through things together that connect you, heart and soul. And so, a soulmate is someone with whom you've had those kinds of deepening experiences over lifetimes and lifetimes until eventually you're that close that as as souls you have the kind of connection where as two people if you haven't met as soon as you see each other you just know you just know you belong together right mm-hmm. and in the past the traditional way that soulmates have worked in this world is that people have typically signed up with one soulmate one one of their soulmates they're going to um, have active in any given lifetime. And so part of the life is finding that soulmate. And often it's been romantic. You find that one and only, and then you're complete. And there are lots of variations on how that works. And some people have a couple, and then they're very torn. Um, but, you know, typically, even if we have soulmates living on, on planet Earth, we have only made a contract with one or two of them um, so that we can have that relationship, that singular, important, you know, absorbing relationship and that's helped everyone stay organized. <laughs> so what has changed in the last four or five years, and especially as we head, you know, as we move through the year 2012 and beyond, is that many, many, many people have shifted this. They have activated all of their soulmates rather than just one or two. So that in the past, you might only cross paths with a couple of soulmates through the course of your whole life, and those relationships would be very special. Now, you might cross paths with dozens or even hundreds of soulmates depending on who you are and and that requires that you change how you feel about your soulmates <laughs> you know it requires that we unlock the connection between romance and soulmates because it's no longer a game of finding our one soulmate and forming a romantic partnership with them now what is possible is that every one of our best friends is a soulmate who is as deeply connected to us as our spouse or our partner and so this has required quite a bit of work um, socially for the last few decades. People have really been working in lots of different ways to take apart the old marriage contracts and figure out, you know, how can we be close to several people, even if we have, you know, fidelity with only one. Um, And different people have different ways of figuring that out. But ultimately what is happening is we're learning to fall in love on an ongoing basis with new soulmates who come along. And we each need to figure out how to be clear about where those relationships will fit in our lives. So that, um, you know, in the past, if you were married to someone who you really felt was your soulmate, but then a new person came along who just swept you off your feet, in the past, that might cause you to question your soulmate status. You might think, maybe my spouse isn't my soulmate. I need to move on with this person. It would cause all sorts of chaos, you know, you divorce and um, affairs and, you know, all sorts of things. But now... 
if you've identified a soulmate and married them, um, when a new soulmate comes along, you don't have to question the status of your mate. You can simply say, oh, it's a new soulmate. We're going to be the best of friends, you know, and it's simple. Um, you, and it's up to each person to decide how they'll connect with each soulmate along the way. But when you make room for multiple soulmates, you make room for much deeper connections and really being in a state of falling in love throughout the rest of your life, even if you only stay with one romantic mate. Hmm. And I love that, and I can I can see why it would be very confusing to some, and 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 that ability to sort it out, and really be open to accepting um, that's all these people who are coming into into your life all have a place in your life somewhere, and that it isn't a question of either or. Um, it might be a question of how do you how do you make it fit, as you said, and yet there is I mean our hearts are so big. Right, the more and the more soulmates who come into our lives, it feels as if the bigger our hearts get, and so that we just don't know that capacity. We think we know it, and and every time a new person comes in and we fall in love with them, our hearts grow bigger, and and at least that's been my experience over the last year. So I love hearing you talk about it that way, and I, and I really hope our listeners hear that and, and consider that in their own lives about how how important that is to um to keep opening our hearts there's people who show up I agree. And, you know, when I think about leadership, I often consider the idea that people seem most responsive to one of two things, love or fear. You know, when I look at the way that politicians talk and I look at the, the I don't know, the movies or the messages that inspire me the most, it's either because it's love or fear that, that they really tap into for me. And so I think as leaders, if we can make space in our hearts for more people, you know, in stronger community connections, and, you know, an openness to the people who, who come into our lives, I think it does expand our capacity for love, and it makes us more effective at carrying love with us in a way that makes us more effective leaders. So. Yeah, and, 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 it, and for those who are serving a certain population of humanity, I can only imagine that those individuals must feel love or or be in love with those people who they are so compelled to 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 serve or be in service of or or to um give things give things up sacrifice for the sake of something that's so much bigger than they are uh that they that they have to be feeling that even if they they don't know why or they don't know how this compelling purpose is, um, I, I, it feels to me that it's connected to what you just talked about in terms of soulmates. Because even those that we're in service of, they teach us. They teach us yes. so much. So I think it feels right. like a contract. And and I know that when, um, I know one of the things too, um, you've had recently a, a couple of channelings and you, you, you were channeling on... Um, on the feminine um on the feminine divine and and i know that um we had talked before the show tonight we talked about how women tend to lead and that it was different than how men and so i'm wondering if you might share a little bit about that Sure, absolutely. This is a channeling I just did this fall on the Divine Feminine, and um, 
You know, there are a few things about that that are interesting, uh, but the the one thing that struck me the most is someone asked about the difference between intuition and inner knowing. And the information that came through about that um, really, um, at first I just thought was interesting, but when I listened later and thought about it, I realized how much um, that that fits with with the leadership model that that evolved in my life. And so the answer to this question, what's the difference between intuition and inner knowing, was that intuition comes when we listen to ourselves. You know, when we get to that quiet place that, Linda, you and I talked about earlier, and we're willing to listen to the inner voice. And inner knowing comes after that. And inner knowing comes when we decide to believe that voice. And inner knowing is really a decision. And when I was channeling this, I could feel how powerful that is, how much deciding to believe the inner voice, deciding to believe our feelings or our thoughts or what our experience is, despite how it's different from other people's, that decision is 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 really what personal empowerment is all about. And that's when intuition becomes inner knowing. It gets it's more it's more grounded. It's like you're standing on on solid ground with yourself when you make that transition into inner knowing. And I know for me in my journey as I work, you know, as I took the path that led me to become a channeler, um I can look back and see that two really important things happened through my personal life and through my personal relationships and kind of growing up experience. And one was that I really had to learn to trust myself. I spent some years as a wilderness guide, during which I was out in the woods all by myself for days at a time, and I had to trust myself, you know, to protect myself and find my way and all of that sort of thing. Um, oh, my goodness, I can't believe my... you did that. That. <laughs> I did, I did. And, you know, there were lots of other ways that I was kind of forced or led to, to really develop a deeper trust in myself. And then second to that is I had to go through some personal experiences that caused me to become willing to speak, you know, willing to say what I think, willing to say what I know. And, you know, I think especially for women, those two things get shaken up a little bit when we're kids. You know, lots of girls experience girl training, what I like to call girl yeah, training. Yeah, oh, my God, girl <laughs> training. How many of us <laughs> Where how many of us yeah, have experienced that? Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so it was really reflected in this idea that that our intuition comes when we listen, and that's a choice, but the real choice is when we decide to believe. Gosh, I, you know, I love that. Um, I get, even just hearing you say it, there's this there's this sense of knowing about it that if we could if we could just let go and trust, you know, just remove the saboteur and the doubter. And and the one who tells us, you know, what do you know, or you're not smart enough, or you you don't know enough about this. If we could just remove that and truly trust ourselves, trust our intuition, trust our, our inner voice, what what a different world it would be, and and what a different experience it would be in our lifetime for us to have that. That's really I truly would love. I would love to have more people to have that. I want I want more people to have that and I'm and I don't know I don't know how to get people to have that. I don't know how they get to that. What do you think? Any suggestions? Sure. Um 
I, I, I'm smiling because I have the same I know, wish I hear and, you smiling. And, and I'm, just, I'm having an epiphany here. I'm just, I'm just, yes, I want everybody to have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm imagining this feeling I have sometimes where I just want to grab people and shake them. Like, like don't you see? You, 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 you're strong. You're good. You've already got it. But we all doubt ourselves, and it's so forgivable that we do. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of information that's come up, up about this in so many different individual consultations. And, of course, it depends on our individual situations. But I really think one of the most powerful things we can do is to make friends with ourselves. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. And I, in, and in many ways, this is the primary message I try to take out into the world, is we need to trust ourselves. But it's easy to say that. It's hard to do it. And so in kind of more nitty-gritty practical terms, I think it's so important that we make room for silence in our lives. Times when we just walk quietly or we just look ourselves in the eye in the mirror and we just sit with ourselves. Because in order to listen to intuition, in order to develop that inner knowing, and in order to stand up and lead, I think we need to be at home with ourselves. And I think it's so important that we not shy away from the hard emotions that arise when we're first silent, but we make friends with those, you know, recognizing that we have a grief or an anger or or a doubt or a worry, um, to make friends with it rather than trying to fix it right away, I think is the way we start to take those steps toward being at home with ourselves and eventually being able to trust that inner voice. I I really like that expression, make friends with ourselves and sit with ourselves. And, and you know, just having gone through the, um, the power outage here, one of the, um, one of the hardest things was the quiet and the sense of isolation. You know, it's what prompted me at the top of the show to say, go check on your neighbor, go, go talk to someone. And, and I'm usually pretty good at being alone with myself or sitting with myself. And there was something, you could almost feel the absence of the electricity in the air. And there was something that was, um, there was something that was really tough. In, the, in that isolation. So, you know, I say even for myself, where I, I do spend a lot of time in meditation and a lot of quiet time with myself, it was hard um, to be in that place these past couple of days. And so I think it's, it's, such, a valuable, it's such a valuable thing for our, le- our listeners to hear that even if, it's, even if it's only just a few minutes a day or it's going to take a walk in nature, you know, nature does it for me, Jen. I, I walk down a path and there's these big trees around me and I just breathe differently. Mm-hmm. And, and, I can, and I hear things that I don't usually hear when there's a lot of noise or even white noise around me. So I'm, I'm thinking even if our listeners did that, if they just took a quiet walk by the beach or they took a walk in the woods or just tried to find those few minutes a day where they could, they could have some quiet and just be with themselves that maybe they would start to trust more and they would start to hear that voice inside that we're that that we keep saying turn up the volume you have a voice turn up the volume sometimes you've got to hear it first that's right and i think a lot of leadership training skips ahead a bit it skips ahead to the part where you're interacting with others and leading them but i really think we need to come from that place of 
of being clear with ourselves and having a comfortable, deep relationship with ourselves, and then we interact with others and lead others. And and so in some ways, you know, meditation or a daily walk or listening to music on a regular basis or journaling, those things we do to just be with ourselves and our thoughts on a regular basis, I think of that as leadership training just as much as any workshop or class you might go to. Oh, that's great. I really love that. Mm-hmm. So I, I I know you said that if there was one thing they could take people could take away it was it was that being able to sit with ourselves make friends with ourselves is is there anything else um, that you think our listeners could take away from tonight's program and and if there is what what would it be sure anything absolutely. Else? Yeah, there's something that I think is really important um, to acknowledge, and it's something that comes through the records often. Um, And it is just the fact that each of us have very different lives for a reason. We each have a little piece of this puzzle of moving humanity forward. And I think sometimes, especially for leaders or people who are paying attention and, and seeing that humanity is evolving, I think we can become overwhelmed by the big picture and by a sense that we should be doing more or we should be doing something other than what we are doing, but there really is a divine choreography here. We really do have a higher self who knows where we need to be and, and hands us the situations and experiences that are going to best lead us to our calling. And so um, I would like to suggest that people really trust that whatever challenge is on your plate and whatever situation is arising in your life, trust that it gives you the piece of the puzzle that you are divinely meant to solve for the rest of us. Don't worry if it's big. Don't worry if anybody even knows that you're doing it. I think if we each do our part, the bigger puzzle will be resolved. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. And and we're at that place in the hour, Jen. I, I could just talk to you forever. This I, cause It's so fascinating to me. And I hope we'll get to do this again sometime on that the air for our listeners. As well as the as well as you know I'm 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 always coming back um periodically for for my readings. I love them. Thank you for being with us tonight. Now you're on our website as a resource. How can our listeners find you directly? Sure, that's a great question. The best way to find me and to find all of the channelings I've ever done from the Akashic Records that are public um, is through my website. And my website is akashictransformations.com or .net. Either one works just the okay. same. So you don't need to worry about that last part. But Akashic Transformations with an S like Sam at the end. And on that website, you'll find my email address and people can always um, contact me. I'm very happy to talk about my work. You can also find more information about what the Akashic Records are. You can find channelings that are both in written format and in listening format. Some of those you can purchase as a download. Um, you can become a member so that you have access to ongoing channelings, or you can just take a look at the free channelings I offer, especially each month. Each month I channel a message for the entire month for the whole world, and um, an excerpt from that is offered free, and there are daily and weekly messages for members. So go ahead and take a look and see you know, how much channeling you want to read and listen to. <laughs> it's all there for you if you'd like it. Wonderful. Thank you, Jen. And and I want to say thank you to all our listeners for supporting the program. Remember, you can find us at thevoiceofleadership.com, and you can join the Leaders Group, or you can like the public page on Facebook 
as well as follow us on Twitter. Next week, our guest is Karen Kimsey House, co-founder of the Coaches Training Institute, and our program is on global transformative change, leadership from the front of the room, the back of the room, and from within. Karen believes that leadership is in the conversation, and we're really looking forward to having that conversation with her next week, and Tammy Hibbler will be back with us next week as well. Tom, I want to thank you for co-producing this evening. It's always a pleasure to have you with us, and you helped make this run so smoothly tonight. And I'm going to ask our listeners, if you would, to just stay with us a few minutes more. I'm going to play the theme song written by our amazing singer-songwriter, Cindy Campo. And it's available on our website right now, I'm happy to say. And while you're listening, we may run a few minutes over, and that's okay. Uh, While you're listening, ask yourself, what's my passion? What stirs my soul? What makes me cry? What makes me crazy? And where does my heart reach out? And however you answer those questions, what's the action wanting to happen? Whether it's for the greater good or for something bigger than yourself or simply because it's the right thing to do. I'm going to say goodnight now and here's the song for The Voice of Leadership by Cindy Campo. Are you waiting to be found? Have you lost sight in all the darkness? Open your eyes, see the light. Don't give in to all that's around you. This is the time to listen inside you. The voice that whispers deep in your soul It'll tell you the truth, what you already know Turn up the volume, lock out the noise